you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. April has flown by. Do you feel the same way? I am excited, more excited than ever. I got to go on a business trip my second business trip in two plus years due to coronavirus, I got to go to Chicago. As you guys may know from listening to my podcast, I belong to business mastermind groups. And one of them is like an educational group as well, where you take courses. And I fly quarterly, or at least I used to before coronavirus, to Chicago, where I take all day intensive courses on growing a business, scaling a business, hiring, uh, becoming better at what I love to do, doing less of what I don't like to do. I just always love to be learning. And because I've done interior design for so long, certainly there's always more things to learn and delve into in the design world. But the new challenge I'm always facing is the business world. How do I create more value for people? How do I continually energize and tap into what I do best? Uh, And part of that is podcasting. That's why I've been doing it for over seven years because I love connecting with you guys. I love answering your questions, but also I love sharing and making things that are sort of hard, like interior design, things that are kind of subjective, things that people say you have to have an amazing eye for. I like making them accessible. You don't have to have an amazing eye as long as you have formulas, as long as you follow guidelines and rules. And once you've mastered the guidelines and rules, well, you can start fudging them a little bit. You can start playing with proportion and doing something a little kooky. You can start, you know, adding more color, taking color away, being bolder bending my rules to your will, but first you must master them. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do with the business side too. How do I take the rules of business and manipulate them and twist them so that they work for the business I want to build, the way I want to help people? You know, I'm not a big bank and I don't want to be. I'm not an insurance company or a financial planner. I want to do things differently. I want to have art 
change people's lives? How does that fit in in the business world? Where do I fit in? So I just feel more energized than ever because I got to hang with all my business friends. Of course, we've been meeting virtually in the meanwhile, but one of my business friends is a cybersecurity officer. One is an amazing public speaker who um, speaks to large groups of financial professionals. One is a recruiter who recruits high-level CEOs for businesses. He's finding a CEO for my business right now. I guess it's not a CEO. It's a COO. See, I'm just learning, guys. I'm learning. And um, one of them you've heard on the podcast, Caitlin Callahan, who designs hotels. And I just think she's endlessly interesting. Of course, I love her profession, but I always just love talking to her no matter what. We ride the L together in Chicago because she has an apartment in Chicago and I love to stay in the heart of the city. So we ride the L together. I take my Dramamine because I can take the subway here in New York City and not get sick even if I've been on it for hours, I'm on the L for 15 minutes and I think I'm going to lose my lunch. Does that happen to anyone else? Anyway, I missed connecting with friends. I took the um, one kind of assessment the other day. It's called the Achiever. And it told me that I was an introvert, which was pretty surprising to me and to my family. My husband is like, no, you're not. And there's days like my days in Chicago recently this month with my friends where I feel like anything but an introvert. I just wanted to spend more time and stay up later and talk more. And I'm so grateful to be able to have those opportunities again. So I hope you're getting out there. I hope you're traveling. I hope you're meeting up with old friends and getting re-energized with new ideas. And I've got some new ideas for you today. In the old mailbag, we've got people writing in with plenty of questions. So let me Pull those questions over to this screen, and without further ado, let me weigh in. My first question comes from Andy. Andy is writing all the way from Gary, Indiana. And Andy writes, Betsy, I, like many in the world, have made the switch to working from home. Could you talk about some ways to incorporate a home office into your living space? Business interior design seems to have a lot more applicable home design overlap these days. I will have to put my home office in a corner of my living room, so I will need some help. All right, Andy, I totally get it. A lot of us are working from home, including myself, until I find my new house with a fabulous barn or garage on the property and I move in there. I am working from my home. The other challenge is that my husband is also working from home. So how do I have a quiet place to record podcasts, to think, to dream, to grow a business while he needs a quiet place to record his podcast? He has a podcast, guys, questionable material. If you like politics, if you like um, current events, you'll want to listen to questionable material with Jack and Brian. It's very funny. He's a comedy writer, so everything has a comedic bent, and it's not left-wing or right-wing. It's right in the middle, making fun of both sides. So anyway, there's a little plug, but that's to say we're both very noisy, and then my kids come home, and they're noisy, and we all need our space. So it's especially challenging, Andy, in your situation because it's in your living room. The other thing that's challenging about that, you know, I recently went to California and I designed a space for a client out there in Los Angeles. That was my other business trip. And she had her office in her living room and she felt like she was working all the time. And I was like, of course you're working all the time. Of course you're not relaxing because your desk is the focal point. When I'm sitting on your couch, your desk is kitty corner. 
right next to the beautiful sunlight, the beautiful windows overlooking her Los Feliz neighborhood. Of course, you know, that's what you're staring at when you're trying to relax. So one tip I would give you, Andy, if possible, is to move the desk out of the living room. Now, in her case, it was possible, but we had to flip the primary bedroom into the guest room. We flipped the guest room into the primary bedroom. We had to change a lot of functions, move a lot of furniture, and really think in a new way about not only what her space was functioning as so that she could have kind of work-life balance, but also what does that Zoom wall look like, right? Because we have to think about what's behind us now because that's what people are looking at if you're Zooming for work. But as I mentioned before, Andy, the first step is to think, is there any other space where I could put this desk area that's less conspicuous, less in my face every day? The living room is maybe the most uh, important room where you spend most of your waking hours in your home. So I just hate that work would be that (sighs) omnipresent for you. If there's no other place, Andy, I totally get it, but you may want to invest in something like a screen so that way when you're not working, you can put the screen up and you don't have to be staring at your monitor. Uh, In terms of thinking about having it in your living space, you do want to tie it into not only the colors that are in your living room, but also the wood tones. So if you're selecting a desk, you want to look at your furniture wood tones in the living room. You wouldn't want to have a light wood desk and then have walnut furniture throughout, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb and make your space feel really not cohesive. The other thing you want to think about is your desk chair. You may want to avoid the typical desk chair that has wheels, uh, the typical desk chair that has a mesh back that just looks so office-y. You may want to go for something fabric, something leather, something stationary that has four legs with no wheels. So that way, it looks more like a piece of furniture in a home rather than a piece of furniture in a cubicle. We also want to have really beautiful illumination. So whether it's a floor lamp or a desk lamp, something that looks homey, something that maybe has a sculptural type base, maybe ceramic, a pop of color, we want to avoid it looking like it could have come from Staples, right? Or Office Depot. When picking out things for your home office, make sure that they look a little bit homey, that this is a piece that could really go either way right? It doesn't look like my boss bought it from a catalog. Uh, Then I would say, you know, things around your desk, like maybe you need a memo board. Well, they have really great memo boards at PBTeen. Yes, that's Pottery Barn Teen, but they have really interesting shapes that feel much more homey than you would get at, say, Amazon.com. They have cool frames and they don't look juvenile. So I think you can really find a beautiful selection there. Everything from your pencil cups to your pens should kind of evoke a hominess rather than just strict utilitarianism. So for instance, I use a vase on my desk to hold my pens. That's converted. It's from West Elm and it has like this cool glass bubble texture and inside are pins and pencils and all the things I love to use. And then I specifically use only one type of pen. I use Sharpies when I'm signing my books, but then I only use Uniballs and I have them all in the same color. So it just looks really cohesive and clean and intentional. And of course, 
your desk needs to have drawers. So that way, if you do have a lot of papers, if you have some clutter from work, on the weekends, you can tuck it all away. So even if you don't want to invest in a screen or you just don't have the room to put one up, you can tuck away your papers and ideally tuck away a lot of that visual stress so that you can decompress and kind of forget about work on those days and times when you don't have to be working. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. All right, Andy, I hope that gave you some inspiring ideas. Lastly, I want to circle back to that Zoom wall. So you'll want to go back to the episode I did on Zoom walls because there's lots to love in there in terms of content. But I highly recommend in your background, in fact, I should do this too, but um, did I mention I have a herniated disc? I recommend getting a large plant. Because no matter what else you have going on, whether it's a tapestry, whether it's wall sconces, whether it's a bookcase, whatever, having something leafy and green offsets the technology. You know, you're on Zoom, you're talking on your screen, everything's so techy that in order to balance that electronic energy, according to feng shui, it's important to have some natural energy in the space. So I have this great plant right here on my desk. I'm always looking at it in my Zooms. Like I said, I have these really cool palms downstairs, but I cannot bring them up. Oh, my back. So one of these days I'll bring up my cool palms and they'll be in my background. And it really just gives a homier, more welcoming vibe. But I literally have plants, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, all around. I got to take the price tag off this. I just picked it up at Trader Joe's. I love getting big plants. Uh, they don't have palms, but they have other big potted plants at Trader Joe's because they're so affordable that if I kill them, I'm not devastated. So there's another tip for you. All right, Andy, thanks for writing in. Please send us pictures of your home office once you've got it all styled and created. I'd love to not only give you feedback, but to see what feedback you selected from this episode. Let's move to my next question. My next question comes all the way from Montana, from Jennifer. Jennifer writes, Hi, Betsy. I am so excited to have discovered your podcast. Over the past few months, I've been binging your episodes as I'm painting and working on DIY projects around our new house. I love all your practical insights on interior design. Thank you so much for what you do. We recently moved across the country from the East Coast of the U.S. all the way to Montana. And since we moved ourselves, much of our furniture did not make the trip. Although we're in the process of making many decisions in that regard, that's not actually the focus of my question for you. 
As you can see in the pictures, our new home has a very large great room that we're using as a primary lounging watching TV area. It's 21 feet by 21 feet and it has nine foot high ceilings. It actually used to be a two car garage that the previous owners converted into a living space. We're working on painting this room and inquiring an appropriately sized media console for the overly large TV and additional seating slash furniture. However, my question for you relates to wall decor. This has always been a struggle. My husband takes great wildlife and landscape photographs that I would love to integrate into our house, along with artwork, of course. I've always struggled to mix the two in a way that's harmonious. I'm wondering if you have any tips that you can share in that regard. More specifically, I have no idea how to, how to approach deciding where to place photos and art in this giant room and how to size these pieces appropriately. I really appreciate the white space, especially with the beautiful bay window in the living room. So I'd like to be strategic, avoiding cluttering the walls with a picture gallery. But also, I think large art on every open area would just be too much. Lastly, you'll notice that there's an outdated chair rail around the entire room. I would love to remove it. My husband wants to keep it. What are your thoughts? Again, I appreciate you sharing all of your expertise. Well, Jennifer, I appreciate you writing in. So for those of you who are listening to her story, it's a big square room. It does have wood colored trim, like a mid-tone wood. It appears to have a black metal stove in the middle of one wall. There is a gigantic TV, a gigantic sectional. The room is carpeted with like a beige carpeting. There is one wall of the four walls that has these amazing windows. I mean, I think this is why you moved to Montana because the views out these windows, the trees, the sun. In this picture, your dog is almost as mesmerized as I am by this view. You'll want to go over to our YouTube channel, which is Affordable Interior Design, and check out these pictures. Uh, so it's a very inspiring somewhat blank canvas, Jennifer. And I think that that is really cool. There are a few random wall sconces. Uh, so that's something to consider as we're placing this artwork. First things first, I never place artwork until I've arranged the room. I make sure I have all the furniture in its place. Every element is designed right down to the window treatments. So that way I can see where I want people to focus. I can decide where I want people to be looking and I can also see where they'll be looking because I've placed all the primary pieces of seating, right? That's what you want to do. The first thing you want to do is decide, lock in the furniture layout because there's really not very much furniture in this space right now. It's relatively empty besides this big sectional. Also, the TV is mounted rather high, and perhaps that was to accommodate this random chair rail. Uh, you'll want to consider moving the TV lower so that it's at eye level when you're sitting on the couch. Or if that's not possible, if you feel like you're locked into this uh, placement of the TV because you've already sunk the wires into the wall, then you'll want to be moving this sectional back so that when you're seated on the sectional, you're not craning your neck up like you're in the front row of a movie theater. Instead, you have some good distance at which to see this very large screen to the chair rail. This chair rail is very arbitrary. 
typically you would put a chair rail in a place where chairs would be moving back and potentially bumping your walls. That piece of molding protects the wall from getting bumped by, say, most likely a dining chair. In this case, you do not have that issue. So they are using this chair rail just to break up the wall in terms of there's like a blue-gray color down the chair rail and above the chair rail, there's like this creamy white color. Now, they've gotten that part right, correct? I do typically put the lighter color above the chair rail and the heavier color or wallpaper below the chair rail because it's kind of like gravity, right? You'll feel more grounded if the bottom is darker and the top is more ethereal or lighter. In this case, there is absolutely no reason to have a chair rail. These ceilings do look a little bit higher than normal, maybe eight and a half and nine feet instead of your standard eight feet. But I don't think cutting the wall in the middle this way is doing it any favors. Now, perhaps the other reason that they did this is because there's only one wall that has any visual interest. And by that, I mean like an architectural feature like those beautiful windows. I guess you could consider the wall with the stove almost like a fireplace, right? But based on these pictures, I can't even tell if you can really see the flames inside the stove or if there's doors that prevent you from getting that sort of crackling view. But I think they were trying to make this room slightly more architecturally interesting than it is. Remove it. Remove it, and now we can see what we're working with. So first things first, remove the chair rail. Next thing, you want to lower the TV if possible, and you want to place all the furniture. You want to even decide upon the window treatments, right? And then you want to think about where everyone's sitting, what they're looking at, where you actually enter the space. When your guests enter the space, we want there to be a wow moment. So whatever they're looking at first needs to look quite nice, right? And maybe there needs to be some drama. You also have higher than normal ceilings. So I think a slightly oversized artwork, especially in this large room, is called for. If you have tiny pieces, they're going to get lost on these big, expansive walls. Now, the other thing I want you to think about is not doing all photographs. That can certainly be the instinct for people who take beautiful photographs, especially because you live in this beautiful new environment, right? I'm sure he's going to have a whole bunch of new photos for you to mount. But the problem is that you don't want this to look like some photographic exhibition, right? You want it to look like a well-curated home. So you want to mix some photos with paintings. And that was the question you were coming to me with is, how do I mix these different types of art seamlessly? So you could mix drawings, maps, photographs, wall sculpture with those photographs. Did I mention photographs? Oh, well, work with me here. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, we want to have a eclectic curated mix of different types of art that seamlessly goes together without looking like we're at Jennifer's husband's photography exhibition. And the way that we do this is we find one piece, the piece that's most prominent, the piece that's in the most conspicuous location or that's the largest, or you might want to choose in a case where somebody's using an area rug, that could be this, what I'm referring to as inspiration piece. The inspiration piece is going to be the piece in the space that has the most Roy G. Biv colors from which you're going to derive the colors for the entire room. 
So say it was a beautiful sunset landscape photograph, okay? And you blow it up nice and big. Maybe you even cut it into two pieces so it's a diptych on either side of the pipe for this stove, right? That's just one idea. Well, then what you would do is you would take three of those colors. So say that you wanted to take the blue from the sky, the orange from the sun, and the green from the grass, and those would be the three colors that you would use throughout the space in different doses. That goes back to the 60-30-10 principle, which you can look up on other episodes or in my book. Then the new pieces that you incorporate, whether they're paintings, whether they're drawings, whether they're maps, the colors in those pieces would need to also be the same colors in that inspiration piece. In other words, you'd want the inspiration piece to be the most colorful piece, and then the other pieces would fold in and work with the same colors, use the same colors, so that you have a very cohesive look and feel. The same would be said for the pillows, for the throw blankets, for, say, the base of a table lamp that's ceramic. You'd work with those three colors that you pulled out from that larger inspiration piece so that the entire room feels cohesive and has a very strong color palette. Then, of course, you'll use that foundation of neutrals, either I think the couch is gray or maybe it's like a taupe or the beige from the carpeting. And that can be that sort of foundation, right? Uh, and I also think, I mean, your windows are quite complicated and probably not great for window treatments. So you're kind of losing that opportunity, but you could consider because the room is so neutral right now with the carpeting and with the sofa, you could consider painting the walls. I think a really nice mellow green would just warm up the space, bring the outside in. And you also have this super creamy, expansive ceiling. I think a green wall would make this place feel so cozy and comfortable and would look great with landscape photography. So consider something like gray cashmere for the walls. I think that would be a beautiful tone in here. You could even warm this space up a little bit with like a wheat type color. I think that would help give these walls visual interest with once we lose the chair rail without needing that piece. Hmm. You mentioned also that you don't want to do a gallery wall, but you do have sort of very long walls that are unbroken in some cases. So you may want to consider instead of a gallery wall, doing a large series of pieces. And whenever you're hanging a piece of art that's not above anything, it's not above a console, not above a TV stand, you'll want to hang it so that from the floor to the center of the piece of art, it's 60 inches. That's just a general rule of thumb so that you're not hanging things too high, nor are you hanging things too low. Well, guys, there's my tips for this week. I hope you're having a good week wherever you are. Go out, take advantage of this beautiful spring weather and take some beautiful landscape photographs of your very own. Until next time, everyone. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. 
After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.